Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. In today's programme, the Lloyds TSB HBOS rescue merger. How will you be affected? How long will it take the stock market to recover from the worst financial crisis since 1929? And is there any good news for long-term savers? I'm Matthew Vincent and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with the help of my colleagues from FT Money, Elaine Moore. Hello. Alice Ross. Hello. And Steve Lodge. Hello. So let's start with the money news, and there's been no shortage of it this week. It's been a week in financial markets, the like of which we haven't seen in nearly 80 years. The bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers, the $85 billion bailout of AIG, and then on Wednesday, the so-called rescue takeover of HBOS by Lloyd's TSB. And we'll look at the stock market implications later in the show. But, uh, Elaine, the big news for savers and borrowers is, of course, the Lloyd's HBOS merger, almost one in three of us are going to end up as a customer of this mega bank. But what's it going to mean uh, in terms of the rates that we get on our savings and our mortgages? Well, I suppose the two big things to say about this is the first one that a a combination of these two organisations is going to probably shore up trust. And that's the most important thing. And that's why they're doing this. The second thing is that obviously you take out one provider, you take out a load of products and you reduce competition in the market. So it's not great news for savers and and mortgage borrowers. But it's taking out more than one provider in a way in that so many brands are involved here. We've got Birmingham Midshires, uh, Intelligent Finance, Cheltenham and Gloucester, Lloyd's TSB, Bank of Scotland, Halifax. Um, and some of these were quite aggressive lenders, weren't they? Birmingham Midshires, for example. Exactly. Birmingham Midshires was quite well known for buy-to-let lending and for offering quite competitive savings rates. Lloyd's is generally known as quite a conservative provider, so the possible assumption could be that if you combine these two organisations, then some of the more competitive deals are going to be removed from the market. And let's look at um, savings in particular. You used to get a little extra with the Halifax. There, there isn't really going to be an awful lot of need for the combined entity to pay extra to get in. Customers. Yeah, exactly. They already have all the customers. That's right. The interest rates are, they're not hugely different, but if we look at ICES, Birmingham Midshires pays 6% on cash ICES. Lloyd's TSB pays 4.6%, so it's quite a big difference. And do you think that uh, this could... Um, just be the first of a number of consolidations in the sector. I mean, we, we saw Nationwide quite quietly take over 
Cheshire and Derbyshire uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, this trend looks like it's going to continue, doesn't it? It's possible. We've also got the Alliance and Leicester and Abbey deal coming up. So it does look as though there's more consolidation, more mergers going on. And uh, less competition and uh, fewer attractive rates. But I think also we can say, um, Matthew, that um, we can overdo this sort of loss of competition in the savings side. I think there's still a demand for funds. Don't forget one of the key reasons for this crisis merger, crisis takeover rather, let's not call it a merger because it's anything but, of HBOS this week was fears about access to wholesale funds and the cost of wholesale funds. So banks still desperately want your cash. That means that that could be quite good news for savers, but the point is, is that banks are even more reluctant to lend to each other now. So in terms of mortgage rates, which have been coming down just slightly over the last few months, it's not looking particularly good. Even if there's another base rate cuts, experts are saying that might not necessarily mean that mortgage rates continue to fall. They could stay where they are. And in terms of the mortgage rates that um, may no longer be so attractive, is it the Birmingham Midshires offering that is the most likely to become less appealing? It could be. It's quite hard, actually, to, to look at the differences between the two organisations. Lloyd's has some slightly better two-year fixed rates, but the fees are enormous. Birmingham Midshires, it has a fairly good two-year variable rate at 5.59%, but uh, Lloyd's has 5.59% as well, just the slightly higher fee. So it's going to depend how the, the merger is actually structured and which of these brands disappears. Steve, if we can just have a look at uh, uh, the position that shareholders are going to find themselves in. If you're uh, an HBOS shareholder, and there are lots of them out there, what's going to happen now? Um, the merger should go through end of the year, possibly beginning of next year. There will be a vote for HBOS's shareholders and there are more than 2 million of them. HBOS is the most widely held share out there. Care of demutualisation, remember the older Halifax Building Society. Um, there will also be a vote amongst Lloyd's uh, shareholders as well because of the size of this transaction. Um, subject to all that going through, and let's be honest, it is a done deal. Do you think it is a done deal? There won't be any opposition to the, uh, to the merger? Well, I think the reality is the city, will, the city, big investors decide this, and the government has, has indicated that there will be no competition issues here. They will just wave through. So subject to that, um, you'll get your shares end of the year, beginning of next year. And then, of course, Lloyd's TSB or whatever it be called, Lloyd's Halifax will be the most widely held share out there in the UK stock market by private investors with about two and a half million people. And if you're uh, an HBOS shareholder now, you're going to get whatever it is, 0.8 of a Lloyd's TSB share on the on the deal going through. That's going to be worth, uh, well, on or yesterday's prices around uh, £2.30. Two, two thirty two is the number they're giving, yes, based on yesterday's closed price. Now, that, of course, is about 75% down from the peak of a, a year ago. Um, it's also less than the 275. Remember the £4 billion HBOS rights issue that people stumped up for, or, frankly, most people didn't stump up for earlier in the summer. It's well above the 88p low hit on Wednesday morning when this whole panic broke and people were saying, well, what's going to happen? So HBOS shareholders, in a way, might be 
grateful for, for what they get. What about Lloyd's TSB shareholders? They thought that they were investors in a very conservative, cautious bank paying very high and attractive dividends. That's not going to be the case anymore, is it? It's not going to be the case. Forget dividends. Uh, everyone's been talking about the, the uh, Lloyd's dividend being under threat. Well, now they're saying they're going to pay the dividend next year in shares. And uh, if you'd like to read more analysis of exactly what the Lloyd's TSB takeover of HBOS is going to mean for you, look out for our in-depth coverage in FT Money in this weekend's FT, or go online at ft.com forward slash money. You can also send in your questions for us to answer by emailing us at ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. Still to come, we have some good news amid all of the bad news for long-term investors. But let's move on to the stock market and how it's been affected by the banking crisis in the past week. On Monday, when Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy and AIG stood on the brink of collapse, the FTSE 100 index fell only 3.2%. And I say only because the index failed to break through the lows that were seen just in July of this year. But then came the short selling raid on HBOS shares and its rescue, which sent the blue chip index below the psychological 5,000 barrier. So does the fall below 5,000 mean that UK shares can now go lower? Well, to find out, Alice spoke to Gavin Oldham, chief executive of stockbrokers The Share Centre, and began by asking if things could really get any worse. Well, I think we're in the main throes of the problem at the moment. I mean, uh, in a sense, the past, what, just over a year of a credit crunch has all been building up to this stage. And what you see during this week is uh, almost a remoulding of the international banking environment in front of our eyes. And uh, uh, that can't go on for that long. But I think uh, it, it, that, uh, that the turmoil is going to go on just a little bit longer yet. But I think we are really right at the, the centre of the storm. Yeah. The eye of the storm, exactly. And so... Any idea on how long we should expect this? I mean, are we talking weeks? Are we talking months? Well, I think quite a lot of people are um, moving towards the opinion that confidence will start rebuilding during this winter and um, uh, that it won't be too far away before people can start thinking about gradually coming back to the market, but not in too much of a rush because, uh, you know, there's potential for further falls yet. So I would say that um, anyone who's thinking about investing should really drip feed their money in and not, you know, make any very big, big calls at the present moment. The other thing is that as yet, there hasn't really been a real decoupling between the American market and the British market. And I think to some degree that that's deserved that there should be that because um, uh, there's one aspect about banking within America, which is quite different from banking within the UK. And that is the ease with which people can go bankrupt within the States. Uh, there is both culturally and financially not nearly such a block on that. And in fact, people who do go bankrupt in the States can actually ring fence very many of their assets apart from their house um, uh, uh, and uh, almost wash their hands clean and start again. It doesn't work that way in this country. And I think that's why American banks are more exposed uh, to the current uh, uh, really severe drop in housing prices, which, of course, is going to continue for some time yet, uh, than, uh, uh, than actually the banks within the UK. So what does that mean for investors? How can they kind of take advantage of that difference? Well, I think um, uh, clearly we see some reorganisation of banking uh, within the UK at the moment. Uh, the merger takeover 
of HBOS by Lloyd's has been a very major feature of that. It's good to see a bank like Barclays taking such decisive, swift and and, and really pretty shrewd action uh, to get in there to purchase the best bits of Lehman's from the administrator. Things like that should give some confidence. Um, You know, we would rate banks such as HSBC and Barclays as medium-risk purchases, uh, but certainly when there are opportunities of weakness, you know, uh, some limited investment may make sense. And so you mentioned that HSBC and Barclays are medium risk at the moment. What's low risk? Is anything low risk? I don't think you could really say anything is low risk in equities just at the moment. Uh, There are still many people who not only feel concerned about equities, but also feel extremely concerned about their cash. You know, is my cash safe where it is? It's over this period when the banking industry starts to reshape that we can see whether we can actually build some confidence going forward. A big indicator of that is going to be the level of interbank rate going forward, are they going to come a little bit closer in uh, towards the base rate or are they still going to stay quite wide? And I think that will show whether or not uh, the consolidation that we're seeing taking place at the moment is going to return you know, some confidence to the market. Alice, last week um, we were working on a story uh, talking to advisors who were predicting that the worst uh, that we could see on the stock market could be over by the end of October this year. Um, Do you think that's still the case? I think advisors are still pretty much standing by what they said last week, actually. Um, They didn't say that things wouldn't get worse in the short term. They predicted a couple of torrid months, and we're certainly seeing that now. Uh, But things are moving so quickly. Um, Banks are being snapped up left, right and centre. We've already seen so many things this week, probably more to come next week. Um, People are talking about two weeks, two months But once the dust settles on this, the stock market will have bottomed out and then we will start seeing growth again. So I suppose the the pace of events is in some ways a blessing because it means that this is working its way through the system over a period of months, as you say, rather than years. Yes. One point to bear in mind is that obviously this really started just over a year ago with the credit crunch. And that's one reason given for why the stock market hasn't fallen as much as you might expect it to in previous crashes, 1987, for example, or even the big one, 1929. The stock market fell by, you know, far more than 20 percent just in the course of a day. And this week we've only seen falls of between two and four percent a day, which just really isn't that bad. But you've got to remember that the stock market has already fallen so much from its high last year, um, about 30 percent on average over over most indices. Certain sectors have fallen 80 to 90 percent. So we've already seen quite a lot of this already happening. And so far, we haven't heard from any analysts. Nobody seems to be putting any names forward in the banking sector, do they, for the next ones that might run risks? I've heard a few um, suggestions from commentators. Any you'd like to say, Matthew? Um, I wouldn't be that irresponsible. I'm not a short seller. So clearly there, there are people in the banking world who are seeing this as a, a great time to buy up distressed assets. Remember Clive Cowdery, the man who used to run zombie life insurance funds, is said to be looking at asset, distressed asset managers, life insurers again, and even building societies, that sector that's still got 60-odd names that you know I love so much. I think the general advice out there sounds sounds like let's just wait for the events of the next uh, next few weeks before making any uh, buying decisions. And if you'd like to read a full analysis of the ongoing effect of the banking crisis on the wider stock market, look out for Alice's article in Saturday's FT Money. And finally today, we have some good news amid all of the bad news uh, for very young, long-term investors. Um, uh, Alice, tell us more about this. 
Well, amidst all of the talk of how to pass on money to your children, I think one thing that people don't really consider is that you could set up a pension for your child as soon as they're born. And if you do that, uh, they have a very long period uh, to invest. Uh, presumably the results smooth out the, you know, the, the big fluctuations in the market that we've seen this week. Exactly. I mean, this is probably not a bad time to buy if you're investing for the seriously long term. And I'm talking 55 years here. I mean, that would be the time if you started investing for your newborn. They wouldn't be able to access that pension fund until they were 55 at the earliest. So on a 55 year view, now is probably a great time to buy. And what sort of sums can you end up with? Uh, Has anyone looked at the figures on this? The figures are actually staggering. I mean, they really do say it all. If you put in the maximum that you can with tax relief for your child from 0 to 18, which is £3,600 a year, at 55, that fund will be worth £1.5 million, And that is without anyone paying in anything after they turn 18. That child would never have to contribute to a pension and they'd be completely set up when they retired. So in some ways, is this a better solution uh, for wealthier parents uh, than, say, the Child Trust Fund? The Child Trust Fund, you can't uh, you can't invest as much money into it for one thing. The other drawback of the Child Trust Fund is that when the child turns 18, they have access to that money. Now, not all parents... I mean, I certainly don't know what I would have done if I was 18 and I'd been presented with £40,000, which is what some people project your Child Trust Fund could grow into. So the advantage of the saving the money into a pension instead is that you're relieving the child of one burden at least through its adult lifetime. Uh, they don't have to make their own contributions to a pension and you know that by the time, or you hope that by the time they're 55, they'll be responsible enough to spend it wisely. I suppose the question is, would they would they thank you for... Uh, making them wait until the age of 50 or 55 to throw that massive party, which they which they probably throw at 18 if they had a child trust fund. Um, well, that is some good news, uh, at, at least for those who can take a longer-term view, as I, I think uh, we're all trying to right now. Um, so thanks, uh, Alice, Steve and Elaine. And remember, you can get full coverage of um, how the banking crisis affects your finances in this weekend's FT Money. And remember, you can email your questions on these or any other money matters to ask.fm. FTYourMoney at FT.com. But that's all we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Elaine, Steve and Alice. Goodbye. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.